What's up, everybody? Welcome to Tried Health Podcast number 18. I haven't done one of these intros in a while, but I figured I would do one for Nick. I've known Nick Peterson since about 2016. We did the CrossFit Open together for the first time. Uh, Nick is a wealth of knowledge. He's very intelligent, uh, and you guys are going to get a lot out of this episode. We talk about how he programs for his gym at Meshuggie CrossFit. We talk about how he trains, his philosophy on training, a little bit about nutrition, and how he's currently training for an Ironman triathlon in November this year. So hope you guys enjoy. So please welcome Nick Peterson. Cool, cool. What's happening, dude? What have you been up to? How are you? Nick Peterson's in the house, ladies and gentlemen. Nick Peterson is in the house. Dude, if you want to kind of give everybody that's listening um, just kind of your general background, how you got started with fitness, where your fitness has kind of evolved, um, and just what you're up to right now. Cool, cool. Uh, I guess I didn't throw it all the way back. I was uh, born and raised in a suburb of Los Angeles, California. Uh, and uh, <laughs> fitness wasn't necessarily a huge part of my childhood. I grew up playing sports, but specific fitness wasn't. Um, high school, I got into the gym a little bit, uh, like in our strength and conditioning class, just like most uh, young men do. And uh, I ended up committing to come play baseball out of Northwest Missouri State, which brought me out to the Midwest. My mother grew up up in that area, so I was somewhat familiar with it. Um, so yeah, I, I played, uh, I even play baseball up there. When I got up there, I had torn my UCL on my elbow and, um, I decided to stay and just play it out for the four years of school without baseball. And that led me to actually working with the baseball team and the football team and all of the sports. And so that was kind of like my first introduction into, um, coaching fitness. So I got in as an intern with the strength and conditioning coach up there, Joe Quinlan, up at Northwest Missouri State. And um, yeah, I worked there for two years. I worked part-time in the fitness center as like a personal trainer. Um, Nothing crazy, just training other college kids. And then uh, my uh, wife, then at the time girlfriend, was going to physical therapy school down here in KU. So when I graduated, I moved down to Kansas City and got into the CrossFit world. That's a whole nother long story. I don't, we can go into that if you want, but yeah. yeah. So then I got into the CrossFit world. I've been coaching part-time for like, I've coached part-time for the better part of four years. And then the last two and a half-ish years, I've been managing the gym full-time. Dude, yeah. so what that's, uh, first of all, I knew nothing about that because, you know, we've oh, worked out yeah. and chatted before, but I never like quizzed you on your past, obviously. I and mean, that's right, right, right. Northwest Missouri State Bearcats. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yep. okay. Okay, I'm familiar. I have some a couple of buddies who uh, played basketball there, and now they're the, calling the coaching staff there, so I kind of know that general oh, nice. area. So you got into yeah. the – you got into as an intern with the, you know, performance and, fit, you know, the strength conditioning stuff. Is, be, is that because that was something you really liked? Was that your major, or did you just want to still be around sports now that you weren't playing? Um, so I was training, I was doing some personal training in the fitness center. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. The generic fitness center and the graduate assistant who ran the fitness center was buddies with the graduate assistant in the strength and like in the varsity weight room. And so I was doing like, I got into CrossFit by seeing some YouTube videos. And so I was doing like snatches with metal plates and trying to do bar muscle ups on like a squat rack. You know, and so this grad assistant that ran the fitness center, excuse me, hooked me up with the 
the grad assistant over in the strength and conditioning in the varsity room because he was a um, he had medaled at universities and Olympic weightlifting multiple years in a row. So he's like, here, start talking with him. He'll help you with your snatch because it was like an atrocious 95 pound snatch with metal plates on a bar that doesn't spin, you know. And so I went over there and he was kind of just like pseudo coaching me. And then I was like, oh, I'm super interested in this. And then through that, I was like around all the football players and I was like, oh, this is awesome. And they're like, yeah, well, you can come work here for, you know, we're not going to pay you and you've got to be here at 4.30 a.m. every day. I was like, let's do it. So that's uh, kind of how I got into it. I was a, um, a kinesiology major of sorts. I think right, it was called right. corporate wellness at my college at, up at Northwest, but I was interested in that side of things. Um, I didn't know I was going to go into the performance side. I think I thought I was going to go into more of like a physical therapy route. Yeah. Um, and then I found that I enjoyed the like performance and wellness side more than the um, uh, like recovery and injury side. Not, I mean, you got to know both, but Correct. I, I wanted to be working with athletes and not yeah. uh, broken or not uh, post-surgery people. Not cripples. Basically, not exactly. <laughs> My wife does that, so we're we're in a good bread and butter. Yeah. So you got into CrossFit really when you moved down to the Kansas City area, right? Right. So my senior year of college, which would have been 2015, going into 2016, my uh, my wife was in PT school with Sarah Grant, who goes to CrossFit on the track. I had gotten into CrossFit. There was no CrossFit gyms up in Maryville. And my wife was like, girlfriend at the time was, uh, she was like, Oh, I go to school with this girl. She like does CrossFit competitively come down during the open. And she said, you can do the open at her gym. And that was the first time I met you. Taylor was during 16.1. We did the workout in the same heat. I think. Yeah. And Friday night lights. And so, uh, yeah, that's kind of like I had done CrossFit on and off by myself, like in my garage or at the fitness center with the limited equipment. But that was like my first real dose of it. And uh, I got a real dose of competitive CrossFit yeah. kind of as my first experience, as you guys know, with on track. I mean, that was the year that uh, two teams from on track should have made regionals. Right. That's a whole nother mentality yeah. that we won't discuss. But one team did make it. The second should have. Um, so I, uh, I fell in love with it, um, fell in love with the competitive side and then, um, grew to appreciate the coaching side. And so that following winter break, when I went home to my parents, um, just for the month, I ended up going to a CrossFit gym there and the owner worked out this deal with me that like, if I helped him with his Oli lifts, cause I'd been doing Oli lifting for like a year at that point. Um, that he would let me just come and train with him, but I had to do CrossFit with him as well. And so that kind of got the ball rolling and I eventually got my level one and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. I was getting your level. I was getting a level one. Um, it was, uh, it was a good experience. I struggle with, um, the black and white nature that, uh, CrossFit speaks in. Um, I I don't think everything they say is wrong necessarily. I don't think they don't know what they're talking about. I just think that there's, uh, definitely an opportunity for a gray area. And, um, I think they have to kind of be black and white and they have to be pretty set in their ways to be successful. And that's what's made them successful. It's what made Glassman successful. Um, but I, and I absorbed as much information I could and took it all with a grain of salt, but I'm very appreciative. I did it. I would suggest everyone does it. 
Um, the hard part is you just can't go on, go in and then become a robot on the other end. Like mm-hmm. you still got to be a human and think for yourself. Yeah. So yeah, I, I liked the level two a lot more. I, I eventually went on and did my level two and mm-hmm. I, I liked that a lot more. Gotcha. Cool. When you say gray area, do you mean like you're not just talking to, you know, a computer screen when you're actually using what you're learning? Cause you're working with so many different individuals in coaching and there's just, not everyone's going to be able to do the black and white, get below parallel, hold this standard. Is that what you're talking about? Or you mean just specific movements that you think could be changed or skewed a little bit? No, I think more from a, a coaching standpoint. Coaching and dread, okay. um, Scaling really well and whatnot. But more or less, uh, a big one's the Olympic lifts. Um, I mean, you just watch the Olympics and watch a Chinese 77-kilo uh, weightlifter and then watch a 105 Russian weightlifter. They're both snatching, and it looks entirely different. Hundred percent different. The highest level, and they're like, "This is the only way to snatch." And I'm like, "But it's not," you know. And so, little things like that. Um, little things like uh, their programming. They think that like oh, insight yeah. style of programming is the only correct yeah. way. And I don't think that that is the wrong way. I just don't think that every single gym has to do, you know, that format. Yeah. And I think there's tons of successful gyms that would show otherwise. hundred percent. My last follow-up question for that is with coaching now, do you coach specifically like pretty decent high level athletes or do you coach all walks of life? And if you coach all walks of life, like do you prefer one or the other? You know what I mean? So do you work with moms or maybe people who are obese kids or just all basically competitive, you know, fitness guys and girls? Yeah. So I, um, I run a gym uh, right in the middle of like Oakland Park, Leewood. Right. And we've got roughly 140-ish members, and it's the most eclectic group. I've got um, oh, wow. a, couple, a couple people in their 70s that come four days a week. I've got you know people trying to make sanctionals. I've got severely overweight people. I even coach uh, a kid's class of four to seven-year-olds five days or three days a week. So our Two days a week, sorry, Tuesday, Thursday. Um, <laughs> so I, it's very eclectic, right? Um, yeah, that's pretty cool. And I don't, I don't necessarily have a favorite. What I do um, appreciate is people that care when they come in um, and that like CrossFit, right? That does not mean that they have to pursue getting up, that they have to pursue uh, PRing their weightlifting of any kind. That I'm not super worried about that. I like people that just come in and like literally enjoy CrossFit um, and CrossFit specifically. Like some people are like, oh, I'm just coming to get a workout. I don't care about my score. And I'm like, yeah, you don't have to care about your score. But if you have a score in mind or you have some sort of uh, idea of how to gauge intensity and scores is one you know, variable of intensity, um, you, you have to appreciate that. Well, you don't have to appreciate that. I prefer when it's appreciated by, right, right. by the member. Yeah. That's, that's so interesting. Just, it, yeah. Because I was that's curious something. asking you that just because of your background through Northwest Missouri State, you were working with only athletes, it sounds like, for the most part. Obviously, you're right. doing some personal training at that fitness center, but uh, that's cool. That's a, that's a very interesting answer. Yeah, that's, that's fascinating. It probably keeps you on your toes. Yeah. And what I appreciate about the uh, uh, training the athletes up at Northwest was that the training wasn't their sport, right? The training right. – so it was very different like they wanted to get stronger and to get fitter and they wanted this and that but it wasn't a direct core like it was a correlate but it was 
a direct indicator of whether or not they were going to be more successful on the field. So it was it aided it, but if they didn't, you know, PR their snatch or their we we did like hang power snatches or hang cleans. If they didn't PR that when their cycle came around um, at at the end of an eight week you know strength cycle, it didn't dictate whether they got better on the field, right? Right. Because right. It, they have got stronger and they just had a bad lift day. Whereas when you're training um, high level or competitive athletes in the CrossFit world, their training is is the sport, and so. Um, it tends to develop unhealthy relationships with mm. what you're doing. And like, you kind of start to put your value in every single workout you do. You start to put your self-worth in, in your performance as opposed to your effort and things of that nature. Mm. So, and I've slipped down that road myself many times. So I, I've seen it firsthand. Yeah. That's a real bummer that that happens. It happens way too often in any sport, not just training and CrossFit, you know, people, think they're uh, you know if they lose they think less of themselves it's just it's but that's a very common trait which is unfortunate but it's cool that you're aware of that Mm -hmm. i'm curious to know what your approach is to programming workouts and just this kind of goes back to like what we were just talking about with crossfit's gray area i think one of the biggest issues i know for me personally um i definitely i like to do kind of intermittent crossfit while i while also programming a lot of like different types of functional bodybuilding and bodyweight training and kettlebell work. Um, Cause I do think CrossFit's, this is my own take on it. I do think CrossFit's movements, like the CrossFit kind of has a list of movements that they use in their workouts that you see commonly. I feel like you might have a totally different take on this. And I think, I think doing a lot of the, a lot of the injuries you see in CrossFit, I feel like are just from repetitive movements that you're doing over and over again, like yeah. kind of high risk movements. How do you program? How does your program different differentiate between other gyms like how do you how do you because you do the programming from a sugar right correct yeah how does your programming differ from other crossfit gyms and stuff like that yeah okay um it's a long so i can go on man this is like kind of my favorite part of my job i've uh programmed almost every single workout that my gym has done in the last two and a half years and um it's Can something you? i'm passionate about and and uh enjoy so that's cool be ready <laughs> cool man. you're, you're uh, in your element i like it dude <laughs> so uh, the uh, HQ or main site theory on programming is that you have one piece every day. So it may be your strength piece. It may be a five by five back squat. And that's the only thing you do all day. Or if you do a Metcon, the Metcon's the only thing you do that day. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of gyms over the years were like, ah, that's not enough. And they started doing um, what you see in a large majority of gyms is a strength and then a Metcon every single time. Right, five days a week, you got an A, you got a B. You're going to do your snatches or your squats or whatever, and then we'll sneak a metcon in. And I think both of those um, are too far in one direction or another. Right. So my philosophy, I've got tons of different ones, but mine is that we have two pieces in a single day, maybe three days of the week at most. More like most likely two days of the week. Um, most of our strength stuff, I try to add um, some variant that makes it so that they're not um, just chasing load the entire time. So whether it be negatives, um, something I've taken from Marcus Philly's stuff a bunch, um, as well as uh, shoot, Dave Lipson, the Thunderbro guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of time under tension, hypertrophy stuff. So I had a lot of negatives or pausing. And I also do all our strength stuff or the vast majority of it on a clock. 
So we do it on the minute or on the two minute or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Um, and that really kind of lets people or it almost forces people to pull the load down a little bit from what they would have planned on doing. And by nature, when that load is a little bit lighter, they're going to move a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Obviously your coaching and your cueing has to be on point, but so for our strength stuff, that's usually what it looks like. We usually do that, um, you know, two, three times a week, roughly. Uh, I like to make my gym go over 28 minutes once a week. So we do something that exceeds the 28 minute mark. Um, usually exceeds the 30 minute mark as well, just once a week. And that's not continuous or nonstop. It'll be something like every four minutes for eight sets, complete this. So it's 32 minutes of going, but it's interval work because mm-hmm. you're getting right, right. Program, whatever they do in that four minute window. I'm like, I always tell them a intended stimulus, like, Hey, whatever you end up doing here, it should take you three minutes roughly. And it, you should get roughly a minute's rest or whatever it is. Right. Um, so yeah, we go long once a week. Um, we do strength stuff two or three times a week. And then, uh, I go through about eight week cycles and I'm not, we're not always on a cycle, but those eight week cycles aren't necessarily always a strength cycle. It may be an eight week cycle where we do, um, what I call non-functional Fridays. So our Fridays for eight weeks is like bodybuilding through and through a bunch of single arm stuff. And it's all functional bodybuilding, a lot of Marcus Philly stuff, Mm -hmm. things that require a lot of mobility, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And then what I also like to do is a couple of days a week when we do an AB, it's not a strength Metcon. It could be a Metcon then a strength, or it could be a gymnastic skill and then a a strength or a gymnastic skill and then a wad. So we'll do handstand holds. We'll do handstand walk practice. And we kind of do those on a clock as well. Um, But that's kind of what I like to do. It, it's never consistent. I think as a general theme, if you pulled any week out of my programming and put it against every, any other week of programming, my members would go, that one's next. Like it does have a style, mm-hmm. but if you also look at the two years as a whole, there, there really hasn't been like a, you know, Mondays we squat, Tuesdays we snatch, yeah. Thursdays yeah. we bench or whatever it is. Um, and I, that also plays, uh, what plays a role in that is I've got members that come Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I've got members that come Tuesday, Thursday. So when we go on an eight week right, overhead okay. squat right. cycle, if it's just <clears throat> Tuesday, Thursday, every time, right? My Monday, Wednesday, Friday member is never going to get to do that. Yeah. So, um, my days of the week shift as well. Trying to make sure that everybody coming in on a given day is going to get some good work in basically. Right. Yeah. Right. So with that kind of, with your philosophy or philosophies, was that something that you kind of just picked up and put in the vault over the years? Or is there someone who kind of influenced you to kind of develop that kind of programming and training kind of ideology? You know what I'm saying? Or was it just kind of like, all right, I don't agree with that type of thing or that type of thing. So I'm going to do my own kind of system. And it's been proven, obviously, if you've been doing that for two years. So I'm right. curious, how, how was maybe what was like the biggest influence on that? Was it you just picking up pieces throughout the years or is there a couple people who kind of, you know, pointed you in a specific direction? Yeah. So my, uh, my programming started before I uh, started programming for my gym for the last two and a half years, my programming started as programming for myself and like kind of people around me. So it was much more competitive programming and that a, a lot of that was inspired by, um, things I saw on social media. I really took to, um, the way, 
Rich Froning writes uh, his workouts. I've always liked kind of the artistic way he writes workouts and the intended stimuluses that he gets in them is, has been awesome. And so over the years, as I was learning to program for my gen pop, I kind of took that kind of style of training and turned it into a gen pop style of training. Interesting. And okay. So for me, I've got like a fairly creative mind and I like art and stuff, mm-hmm. but I'm not musically inclined. I can't draw worth a crap. I like, I've got nothing on the artistic side other than like, I feel like I get to express my creativity and my programming. Mm-hmm. And so my Which gen is pop an art program, if you think about it. Right. It's, it's literally my version of art. Yeah. And so my gen pop programming has kind of been something that I take pride in and it's definitely a recipe of my own. Dude, that's really but, cool. But it stems from my uh, competitive programming uh, and my competitive programming is definitely similar to that of like what rich programs. Mm-hmm. My quick little follow up to that is, is there, would you ever use the term trial and error in your programming now? Or is a lot of that when you were programming for yourself and a smaller group of people? Do you think, cause do you, if you create a cycle and after a week or two, you're like, oh shoot, this isn't really getting the benefit that I wanted. Do you ever pivot and kind of backpedal on that? Or is you, are you pretty confident and there's been tried and true methods that you know work? You know what I'm saying? Or is there still I, yeah, kind of a exactly trial and error saying. method uh, to even your programming today? Yeah. So as far as the methods go, I usually believe in them and assume they work. But a lot of things that are tested, like if you look at um, articles on Teen Nation or like all you pull from all these different areas, especially all these areas that have been around for so much longer than CrossFit. Right. Like, oh, that makes sense. But the the struggle becomes in running it in a group class format. Mm, And so on that end of things, it is trial and error. You're like, all right, we're going to do this because that's what this article says. It says you get a lot of good benefits from it. It does this and that. And then I start running it in classes and trying to kind of format it to an hour long group class with 10 people. And it's like, a week or two in, I'm like, oh, this just isn't working. And so I'll definitely deviate from the plan. Okay, okay. Um, most of the time I'll try and I test stuff myself. I do 90% of anything I've ever written. I'll do it first. That's awesome. And, I love that. A coach that knows how it feels from firsthand experience. I, that's, I think, some of the best coaches out there. Right. And I didn't for a long time. Um, and my members would like, oh, my legs are so sore today or this or that. And I used to be way more arrogant and cocky. Suck it I, up. You know, right. <laughs> and uh, and I was like, like, I did three workouts yesterday and my legs aren't sore. You're fine. And then like yeah. I would actually do the workout they did. And I'm like, it was all body weight. It wasn't bad. Like I front squatted 225 for five sets of blah, blah, blah. Right. And then I do their workout and I'm like wrecked. And I'm like, yeah dumbass like start doing those workouts like you've got no idea when's the last time you did cindy oh uh three years ago all right go do cindy right now and then all of a sudden i'm like wrecked and can't move for a week and i'm like oh yeah i wouldn't have thought of that you know and so uh pride got in the way way early on i'm talking two years ago um and now i do all as as many of the workouts as i can right every now it's like i know what toe to bar and push-ups feel like together i know how long this will take roughly especially for my gen pop so i'll throw it in there and it's not like something brand new so i'm like i don't need to do that one correct okay that is really fascinating yeah 
and really cool. That's that's awesome that you kind of abide by that kind of rule to yourself as you want to test as much as you can so you don't maybe increase injury chance or burn out your members. That's really cool. Where's your own training at right now? Like what kinds of stuff are you doing on your own? Um, so I know you post some garage workouts or you posted some recently on your Instagram. Yep. Like what are you doing for yourself? Like where's, where's your headspace at as far as like competitive CrossFit and training and stuff like that? Cause you've got, I mean, I've, I don't see it that much, but like you definitely look like you have improved over the years, like just with body composition and stuff like that. We can talk about nutrition as well, what your thoughts are on that. Um, but yeah, where's your yeah. training at right now? Like, what, yeah, what, are you, so, what are you doing uh, with your life, Nick? What <laughs> the fuck is going on, dude? I've got a, I've got an interesting kind of story with competitive CrossFit, and it's uh, riddled with low back injuries mainly. But um, so I was uh, on as far as like not my career in CrossFit, like my coaching career, like just purely on the competitive just side. You, yeah. I was trained in um, 2016 uh, real hard. When I did the 2016 Open, I thought I was going to do really well. I was like, not like anywhere near regional level by any means, but I'm like, I'm a top 400 guy in our region, right? And I took like 1100, right? And I was like, ooh, you've got <laughs> stuff to learn, boy. And it was like, I was like, I can clean 225. So that 135 for 15 reps in a workout, I could probably do them all touch and go. Like that's that's the first warm-up weight I put on the bar, yeah. right? And so I uh, I had a a rough intro to CrossFit, uh, full of pride and and misguided arrogance. And so I was very humbled by that. I then uh, graduated college and moved into the back of CrossFit on track with you, Taylor. Um, and so I lived there for the better part of two years and I was bartending at night. My wife was going to physical therapy school. She was getting her doctorate at KU Med. And so my life was like train all day, bartend at night, sleep in the next morning, train all day, bartend at night, sleep. Um, and so I got a lot better at CrossFit. Um, I was surrounded by the, some of the fittest people in, I'd argue the entire Midwest. Um, especially as far as a big group goes, there's individuals all over that may be fitter. Um, you got, you're like Jacob Hefner. He's right down the street. Right. But he's just one dude. Like this was a group of, at that time, team training would have 12 people there yeah. that were all, you know, close to top hundred athletes in the region. Yeah. And so, um, I kind of just absorbed all that. I trained super hard 2017 open, um, did pretty well. I think I took like a hundred and something, and so I like shaved 900 spots, almost a thousand spots off my, that is uh, a vast improvement. Right. Uh, off my open performance. Um, <clears throat> and then going, uh, let's see the 2018 open is, I think that's the open. Was that the year that Janelle made it as an individual yeah. and like Rocky and Kyle and the, that mm -hmm. team went. Yeah. Yeah. So that year during the, Second week of the open, I herniated a disc in my back, um, doing some back squats. And so when got the MRI disc was out, but it wasn't, it was whatever it's called when it doesn't need surgery. Mm -hmm. Like the disc was still intact. It was just out. It was a, I've had the same injury. Yeah. It was a protrusion or an exactly injury. right. Pro right. Mine was a protrusion pro protrusion. Right. I can't talk either. Right. I was wondering if my wife was going to correct me. Um, but, uh, so I didn't get surgery or anything. I just rehabbed that for the better part of the year. 
Um, I was deep in the hole of like where my self-worth was and I valued, I put a lot of my value in CrossFit. And so I struggled with that. Um, and then that's kind of like right when I was transitioning into coaching full-time, I took the full-time job at Mishugi um, as their head coach and then eventually became the manager of the gym or the co-manager um, with my co-manager, Mike. But it was, uh, it was a really weird year where I was like, all right, now I'm all in on coaching. And so like I let my competitive side go and I thought I was okay with it, but I was never happy. Mm-hmm. And it was because I left it in like a pretty unhealthy manner. And so then I just kind of like rode this roller coaster of like, I'm going to be competitive. And then my back would flare up. I'm like, I'm never doing Olympic lifting again. <laughs> oh, and I'm, I'm such a all in type person that I like, yeah. it's all hot or all cold. Right. And uh, I couldn't find a medium ground. And so, um, it was the uh, it was just this last year, so 2019. I didn't do the open just because it was this like weird transition year where we didn't know what the open meant. Mm-hmm. We there was the sanctionals instead of regionals, and so I just kind of didn't do the open. I did all the workouts. I just didn't sign up. I didn't want the pressure of it. Yeah. Uh, as far as I knew, only the top 20 was worth anything, and that was worldwide. Not in our there was no regions or anything. I was nowhere near that. I'd be happy to break the top thousand in the world and so i didn't do that and then i ended up getting a shoulder injury and um don't i never got it diagnosed or anything but it lasted like three months and that was the longest injury i'd ever had since my back just like where super where in your shoulder like where in your hold on one sec hold that thought we're gonna start a new recording yeah where uh where was the shoulder injury like where where in your shoulder so it was uh it was just kind of like in the front of my shoulder there wasn't, it was like, it was deep. Um, and it felt like it kept going back and forth. Is it pec minor related? Is it tendon related? Wait, My wife's a therapist. She was always working on it, uh, like a in-house chiropractor. And so I was constantly going to him and it just, uh, I also have a very short, uh, like, time span in my head. So it was mm-hmm. like, if this isn't fixed in 24 hours, my life is over. Right. And so I was like super impatient and, um, I was pretty upset with CrossFit and I, you know, I blamed CrossFit as if it was CrossFit's fault. And, um, so one day I was actually like, I was sitting right here at this table my wife was on the couch and I was like, I'm going to go for a run. And at this point I had never ran a 5k, Mm -hmm. never ran a 5k before. So I'm going to go for a run. And my wife's like, Oh, okay. And, Mind you, my wife was a collegiate cross-country runner and a miler. So right? she's so probably she looking at you like, hold my shoes. I'll see it, you know. Laughing at you. run for years. She's like, come on, run with me. I was like, running is stupid. I would never do that. Are you on drugs, so Nick? I, what? I said, exactly. are you on so drugs? <laughs> like, okay, you're going to go on a run. Like, I, I do weird stuff sometimes. She's just blew it off. She's like, how far are you going to go? I was like, I don't know, like eight miles. And she goes, what? I'm like, I just want to see if I can run eight miles. She's like, how'd you pick that number? I was like, I don't know. I just picked eight miles. <laughs> so I take off on a run. It was atrocious, right? Um, it ends up raining, like four miles out, pouring rain. I'm like, oh. And it was definitely not like a, I didn't care about my pace. It was like a, just put my head on the ground, get after. I was like, I wanted to suffer. It wasn't for like, I feel like getting healthy. 
it was like I was right. punishing myself, right? Um, I'm like four miles out. I've already passed the distance that I've ever ran in my life. It's pouring rain. In the middle of the pouring rain, I completely pee myself because I had never ran that far. And I, I was just like out where there was nowhere to like, wasn't going to go inside because I was soaking wet from the yeah. rain. Pee myself, come running all the way back. I ended up using map my run to see if it, how far it was. It was eight miles. And I, so I laid in the backyard in the rain for like 15 minutes. I come inside. My wife's still on the couch. And uh, she's like kind of in and out of sleeping, like napping. And she, I, was, I told her, I was like, it's like I, I think I need to do this more. She's like, okay. So she falls asleep. I kid you not, like 15 minutes later, she wakes up. And I was like, hey, babe, I signed up for a marathon. She was like, what? I was like, yeah, it's in December. And this was, it was 100 days away. Mm-hmm. I was like, I signed up for a marathon. I decided I was going to do one before the end of the year. There's one like December 28th down in Springfield. Perfect timing. Yeah. And I was like, so I'm going to run down in Springfield September 28th or uh, December 28th. She's like, no, you didn't. I like picked up my laptop. You guys are on the laptop. I pick it up. I like turned it to her and the receipt was on there for purchasing the marathon. So I, like I said, in very hot and cold. So I was like, I'm done with CrossFit. I'm running a marathon. And so I ended up running a marathon. That was December 28th, um, four short months ago, five months ago. And uh, so I checked that off the old bucket list. And then I was ready to come back to CrossFit. It was actually uh, a pretty healthy step away from CrossFit. Yeah. I still use some CrossFit training a couple of days a week to kind of aid my um, my running. I think that the two met, they paired together super well. Um And so I did that. And then, uh, before I even ran my marathon, I decided that finishing the marathon wasn't going to be enough. And I didn't really have a pace goal or a time goal because, um, it just, I, I wanted to finish it. It wasn't, I didn't want to set an expectation on myself. I wanted something that I was in control of, right? (laughs) It is my choice to get across the finish line. I can accomplish that regardless of circumstances. I mean, I was ready to like crawl across the finish line. And so before I was done, I had, you know, in marathon prep, gotten up to a 20-ish mile run, 20 or 22. And I was like, I can finish a marathon. So before the marathon was done, I already knew that I'm like, that's checked off the list. It'll get done. It may not be fast. And so I signed up for an Ironman, a full-length Ironman, so a 2.4-mile swim, 112-mile bike and a uh, full marathon run at the end. And so that's coming up this coming November. And so right now I'm kind of in between those two. I had my marathon, yeah. got my Ironman, and I was actually back into training for CrossFit. One of my my best friend uh, is also a member of mine, and him and I do all our comps together. And he loves CrossFit um, and competitive CrossFit a little bit more than I do, and wants to compete, wants yeah. to do this, and is very into getting uh, better at it. And so I told him I was like, "You've got till June." I was like, "I'll give you everything I have in CrossFit until June." And then June one, Ironman prep starts. And he goes, okay, if you give me everything till June, I'll do the Ironman with you. And so we were doing, um, we were doing what we could to make a sanctional. And then uh, COVID started. And so the last two months is just kind of, I don't know where I'm at now. Yeah, I'd like to tell you, I feel a little burnt out on CrossFit. I've yeah. been uh, grinding away at it in my garage, which I love. But I'm starting to like 
have some overuse nagging injuries because of what I'm limited to um, movement wise. Because Doesn't of my surprise garage, me. Just, yeah. Like the, I, the last two months, I do toes to bar twice a week. And each time I do toes to bar, it exceeds 150 reps in the workout. Yeah. So I'm doing, you know, 300 to 400 toe to bar a week. I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And it's like, it just became, I'm working on four movements. Right. And so I'm a little burnt on it. And so I started the uh, Ironman prep a little early. So I'm running again, um, nice. getting out on the bike. That is going to be the hardest part of the race. How many miles? I 100% thought it was going to be the easiest. How many miles was, like, was the bike? 112. 112 mile bike. 112 mile bike. Wow. And I'm like, you're on a bike. Like you just pedal and it moves. It's not bad. And uh, it's horrendous. Wow. It's so so you were pretty confident in swimming. I, know, I can only imagine, first of all, but the swimming, is there, because isn't that the only part of it where there's kind of a cutoff time? I'm not saying you're not going to make it, but for me, swimming is the hardest thing I could do conditioning wise. Like I, I'm, I know how to swim. I did swim team growing up, but yeah, it's so tough for me to. <laughs> yeah. So is that uh, not even yeah. really a factor for you? Not that it's not a factor, but does that come fairly natural to you? Yes. So, okay. Um, it didn't like at first. I could always swim. I grew up in the Pacific Ocean. I right. Right. Twenty miles off of Malibu, and uh, so being in the water, I was comfortable with. But like distance swimming or endurance swimming was never something I did. And so learning to swim slow was super tough. Yeah. And when I learned to start to swim slow, it was like night and day, like just on a switch. Interesting. I, I went from like not being able to swim a 50 meter length in a pool without having to like stop and breathe super heavy to like a 45 minute nonstop swim without yeah. coming out of the water or without stopping like overnight once I learned to swim slow. And so That's really that, cool. that part won't be hard. Uh, as far as I know, there's not a cap on the swim anymore. The cap is just uh, 17 hours on the whole thing. On the whole thing. Okay. Okay. If I'm not nice. mistaken, there may be a swim cap, um, but I've done the swim in a pool, uh, the distance, and I can get the swim done in about um, 90 minutes. Mm -hmm. Dude, that's yeah. awesome. What types of uh, like strength work are you doing right now? Are you doing anything like – um, cause you said no. you're doing, you're doing two days a week of CrossFit stuff kind of while you're, or is that going to be in zero now that you're doing Ironman training? No, I'll continue to do some CrossFit stuff. Okay. So basically, um, yeah. On top of that, what are you kind of doing for that? Like Taylor asked. Yeah. So one thing, it, this was uh, prudent during my marathon is I wanted to make sure that no matter what I could still snatch 225. I don't know why I just chose that. <laughs> that was kind of like a man card thing. Like if I can snatch 225. On the day of my marathon, I'm good, right? Like I, because anyone could just switch to do a marathon in my head. Anyone could just switch to do a marathon and throw it all away. Right. And so the same thing will apply for the Ironman. Um, I'll still be working on my Olympic lifts. Um, I haven't back squatted uh, in three years really? um, since I herniated that disc in my back. It's uh, not worth it to me. So do you do, you do I, any type uh, of squatting? I've never been. Do what? Do you do any type of squatting, like front squatting or anything like that? I front squat a little bit, and I squat all my Olympic movements. So I can yeah. squat clean, squat snatch. Um, I front squat every now and then, but if I do front squat, it's always um, kind of tempo work so yeah. that it requires me to stay lighter and focus on my movement or to a box Interesting. or things of that nature. I'm hypermobile, so at the bottom of my I squat, remember that, I'm yeah. always, <laughs> yeah, always in a crash and burn kind of guy. 
and um, ass to grass. Yeah, there's a there's nice. a ton of there's a ton of leg movements you can do. We just did kind of a leg day the other day. It's like we did barbell hip thrusters, like to near failure, like step ups. We did uh, we were doing goblet squats with the hundred pound kettlebell. Yeah, totally charts. different stimulus. Like, yep. so I do all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I, I still attack my legs. These old ham hocks don't stay this big for uh, for nothing. But I couldn't, I couldn't squat heavy, heavy. I, it, and it's odd because my Olympic lifts have never suffered, right? Like, yeah. if I can catch a clean, I'll stand it up regardless right. of the weight. I remember I cleaned 315 before I ever front squatted it from a rack. Um, so there's something about just like the nature of just squatting from a rack that – I do it poorly, I guess. And Less so momentum, always, maybe. I, I don't know. Yeah. I always feel hurt. I, I always feel worse after a squatting session than better. Mm-hmm. I don't feel stronger. I don't feel – I just yeah. feel beat up. And yeah. so, yeah, I do a lot of leg accessory stuff. I like wall sits. I like goblet squats. I like doing single leg stuff. That's mm-hmm. been super helpful. And single legs are huge. That's been an interesting yeah. journey, like – now that you're kind of making up for not being able to back squat, I didn't back squat for better part of three years as well. Cause I was so sick in the hospital and I didn't yeah. really have the urge to, when I got back to kind of working out. So that single leg, I mean, it's just amazing. You and I and Taylor go down a rabbit hole of everything we can do with just our right leg for like five hours. There's just so much variation. It's, it's unbelievable. You kind of forget that when you kind of get in, like you said, that black and white kind of programming, these are the movements we do because this is the only movements that will be in a competition, but there's so much more that you can do. It's really fascinating. And I know you know that, but um, that's really cool that you, that you have that kind of game plan or that in your back pocket now. So that's awesome. Right. Yeah. Very dope. What are you up to as far as a uh, diet nutrition? Has your philosophy changed at all? Like, are you still, I know you're always a big fan. I know something for me, I've been trying to in- incorporate a lot more carbohydrate into my diet. Yeah. Something I've been just, not good about in the past, but I've been incorporating mm-hmm. a lot of white rice and sweet potatoes, stuff like that. How's your nutrition changed? And are you doing anything different for Ironman? Are you changing anything nutritionally? Um, so when Ironman prep goes into full effect, so like right now I'm not like deep into Ironman prep. I'm biking twice a week. I'm running three or four days a week. Nothing super long yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but when Ironman prep starts, carbs will go through uh, – kind of calories in general will go through the roof just because of the, uh, the amount of calories I'll be expending in the sessions. Uh, but what will be interesting is learning to manipulate uh, electrolytes. That, yeah. that plays a huge role in endurance stuff. So messing with your salt intake and things of that nature. So, And that's going to be a learning experience for me. I'm sure I'll uh, have some devastating cramps that will make me learn real quick. Have you, have you <laughs> but, tried that uh, – we tried that liquid IV stuff. Yeah. 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 That Pretty stuff good. is, that yeah. stuff's tasty. It's actually, yeah. The lemon lime. Yeah. It's good yeah. stuff. So I was curious, hopefully this, this is very related to the same kind of question. Hopefully numbers don't like make you triggered or anything like that. Cause I know some people sometimes they talk about body weight, they get a little weird, which just, it makes them feel uncomfortable, which is totally fine. But I'm curious, do you have you lowered your body? You know what I mean? Because you've been doing a lot more conditioning, and now with this Ironman prep coming up, do you see yourself lower? Your body weight's going to lower um, because you're not doing as much just strength work, or you're going to eat. You know what I'm saying? Or do you think you maintain? Or because I know yeah. if I start running consistently, I will burn weight so quickly. I mean, it's just yeah, that's just the way I am. But I was just curious. Do you anticipate yourself 
your physique and your composition, your body weight changing a lot between now and whenever your Ironman is, or is that something you want to kind of keep on a even feel throughout? Yeah. So my, um, my nutrition has been an interesting journey. I, uh, I've always weighed, not always. So it's <laughs> probably, uh, like senior year of college. So 15 to 16 that year, that was like the year that I kind of peaked at weight. I was about 170 pounds. I was doing mainly Olympic lifting. I was dabbling with CrossFit and I was like a very soft 170. I wasn't ever like, I wouldn't say fat. I was just soft. And, um, that's when I started doing CrossFit. All of a sudden, all my strength numbers went up and my body fat went down and I was like, Oh, this is way cooler. I love <laughs> this. Um, so that played a big role in me transitioning into CrossFit. But the, uh, my body weight has stayed between 165 and 170 for like the last five years. Wow. And it, it, it fluctuates in there. I mean, it fluctuates in there from morning to night. Right. Like I'll get on the scale at 164 in the morning and by night I'm at 171. But it's always, you know, like that 165 to 170. Um, for years I counted macros. I've, I've done, you know, counting macros on and off. I've done high fat, low carb, high carb, low fat. Um, I've done intermittent fasting religiously. I've done, you know, a bunch of different things. And ev everything I've done has uh, worked to a minor degree and has felt unsustainable. Mm -hmm. So interesting. Okay. It's never been worth it to me. Mm. Uh, the thing that has been working best for me right now is uh, a pseudo intermittent fasting. So like I just don't eat a ton in the morning. I push it off. If I'm a little bit hungry, I'll drink a protein shake. Um, but I just try and like keep it limited. I like doing my first session of my day fasted. So whether it be running or some aerobic work, it just, I feel better when I do that. And then I'll usually eat right after. Um, and then it's just like kind of trying not to eat like an asshole the rest of the day. Yeah. And uh, with the with enough um, of the conditioning and aerobic work I'm doing, that just has me maintaining my body weight. Um, through marathon prep, I shedded body fat and maybe lost a pound or two. Wow. Um, okay, that's cool. But but it wasn't significant. Um, I've never ever done a huge amount of a strength cycle before, even before I was getting into endurance stuff. Okay. So the amount of strength work I do is less when I'm in marathon prep or Ironman prep, but it's not significant. Um, my body's never handled strength work. Well, I get hurt before I get stronger. And so, um, things like functional bodybuilding, hypertrophy work and stuff is what's always made me stronger. And that's all stuff that I can continue doing in endurance throughout endurance yeah. prep. Um, so I, I hang on to the vast majority of my muscle. Dude, that's cool. Cause I, yeah, I can just imagine. I mean, if you look at a very person who gets a very good time in an Ironman, most of them probably won't look like you, meaning they won't have muscle mass. So that's why I was a lot of it, at least, you know what I mean? They have that more marathon or build that you kind of see on TV or in the Olympics and stuff. That's what I was curious mainly uh, about yeah. you, where your head's at on that. Like, are you going to, you know, but that's, that's really fascinating. I think that's cool. It sounds like your body weight, you're at your natural, like where your body wants to be. If you haven't varied much in the last five years without even trying to vary, you've stayed within like a five pound range. That's, that's pretty telling and sign. I, 
my body composition and my physique has changed drastically. Which is even cooler. That's remarkable. It, it changes significantly without the number on the scale changing. Wow. In both directions. I've gotten mm-hmm. like, like uh, when I herniated the disc in my back, uh-huh. I couldn't do anything right. And so I was like, dude, I got to dial in my macros. And so I made my macros perfect. I was a religious intermittent faster. I did not eat before noon. I did not eat past 8 p.m. And I did that through like eight weeks. And I stayed right at the same body weight, but I was just like flat. Like yeah. I looked like just eh, yeah. Yeah, right? you didn't have the striations. <laughs> right. I didn't gain any weight. It's not like I got fat, but I definitely just kind of flattened out and got a little soft. Yeah. But somehow stayed the same body weight. And then I started, you know, getting healthy again and crushing it in the gym. And it's like, oh, I look jacked. And I'll step on the scale. And it's like, oh, I weigh the exact same that I did when I looked mm-hmm. like I was a 12-year-old girl. You know, like <laughs> it, it doesn't it, – my body seems to like this weight. Um, Do you think I, that's because you've had a similar amount of calories per day all this time? Or is it just based on – you know what I mean? Because I feel like your body composition, that makes sense that it's changing. But the fact that your weight overall hasn't – I feel like you're eating – pretty consistently the same amount even when you're injured or doing a specific training modality does that seem like that is that kind of why you think that might be the case yeah i have a pretty boring palate so my meals have looked very similar interesting uh for 10 years you know like i don't need some fancy uh like dish that has all this thing in it i'm like if it's got some rice it's got a protein and it's got a veg Mm. i'm good I really like so, uh, I like uh, Marcus Philly style meals. I don't know if you follow any of any of his stuff, like on Instagram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has like the five ingredient meals and stuff like that. They're real basic. It's always like a protein, carbohydrate, just like you said, vegetable, some yep. fruit. I also like a. Uh, you follow uh, Stan Efferding at all like with his vertical diet stuff? Yeah, yeah, the vertical diet guy. Shit. Yeah, stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, I would love if his uh, meals weren't as expensive as they are. I'd love to that. That's one thing. Like, if I had ever dreamed of a sponsorship of any kind, a meal service would be one of them. Dude, yeah, yeah I'd take that in a heartbeat. That would be like number one first thing. I don't care about apparel. I don't care about yeah. gear or equipment or anything. If I could get somebody to feed me and feed me healthy food, oh, yeah. oh dude, for sure. Cooking and dishes is just the worst. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, just to clarify for our listeners, so you said you're in that kind of 165, 170 range, so they because they can't see your whole body. How tall are you? My real height or what I want to tell them? Uh, both. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm five six. Okay, so that's just to paint the picture better. I mean, you're someone who's five six, and you've stayed in that legit weight range and stayed fairly healthy. You feel it sounds like you felt pretty good. It's not like you. Mm-hmm lost 50 pounds and felt like you're starving to death. So that's really cool to to hear that. And do you work with this, with those subjects that Taylor and I have asked you about, like the body composition, the nutrition, the type of variation in diet, depending on if you're doing like a very heavy eight week cycle, do you work with that with your, when coaching or are you basically, you stick to kind of what happens in the gym? Or do you work with athletes kind of on that outside the gym stuff, managing their weight and composition and diet? Um, I am willing to do that. Okay. Uh, in my, at my current job, uh, our facility that my CrossFit gym is within, uh, so my gym is within a rec center. Right. So I'm essentially a, an employee of the rec center. 
the rec center has a uh, on-site nutritionist. Oh, so you don't want to step on their toes, kind of. Okay. Yeah. So things are usually diverted to them. Also, if it's um, if it's something that people are ready to financially invest in, I usually um, kind of gear them towards uh, people who I know do it extremely well. So we've got a local gal, Madison, as you guys know, who used right, to do yeah. nutrition much. She doesn't do it a ton anymore. Um, so I'll, I'll suggest things like uh, working against gravity or RP, the people that are, are you know, well, well-versed in that. Because yeah, I'm more of a... I just tell people like, Hey, you got to try something for four weeks or six weeks and then reassess it. I'm a trial and error guy when it comes to nutrition. I don't like, um, this will piss some people off. I don't love the, the science of nutrition just because I don't think it, I mean, cause science has shown that vegan is the best diet and science has shown that meat is the best diet and science has shown that fat's the best science is yeah, like dude. how is science showing all of that right. <laughs> i'm not following like sure. why so is science me, changing like, every six months <laughs> right, right right so for me it's like it's it's got to be trial and error people are going to respond to different things differently um i've found out that like apples upset upset my stomach really bad don't know why Apples are super healthy and great for a lot of people. You have to eat them, them, dude. Right. And it's like, <laughs> you need to do the vitamin. And I'm just like, so for me, apples are interesting. No-go. That's such a um, cool point you made. Yeah. For me, bananas. So, bananas fuck me up, dude. I can't even do eat. what? Bananas. I feel like shit. You don't like bananas? No. Like oh, I, it'll make you feel good. Yeah. I start sneezing and my, uh, my sinuses like clog up. It's weird. Interesting. Yeah. My, uh, so uh, through through Ironman or through marathon, actually it happened before marathon prep. So we made Granite Games last year. I was on a team at Granite Games. I remember last hearing year. about that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Granite Games prep, I had a little bout with diverticulitis, really? um, and that's undiagnosed. I will. That's a disclaimer. That is self-diagnosed slash diagnosed by my wife and my mother and. Uh, other people around me who are like, yeah, that seems like that's what that was. But, um, and so ever since then, pretty much any time I eat raw nuts, uh, of any kind, peanuts, almonds, anything like that, I, it kind of flares up again. Mm. And so that's something I found out about myself. Uh, the CrossFit diet recommends, you know, nut seeds, some fruit, little starch, no sugar, whatever the, you know, saying is, yeah. and nuts tear me up. So I can't mm-hmm. eat any type of, um, uh, nuts, whether it be raw or like, so nut butters don't bother me. So I can eat peanut butter and whatnot. So it's not the actual nut. It's the, uh, uh the raw like form, shape, whatever compounds. Yeah, the shape of them. And, yeah. and it's like seeds, seeds do it as well. It's stuck in the little pockets of my intestines. Can you eat like can you eat like but, roasted pistachios or something like that, or is it just the the raw version? Um, I haven't uh, like really tested every last one of them. It's gotten to the point where I'm like, every time I eat some a handful of peanuts or something, the next day I get super sharp pains in my stomach, yeah. and I'm like, okay, nuts. Like I don't like them that much anyway, right. so it's easy to avoid them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so. I'm learning. I did a, when that happened, I ended up getting, I went and got my blood tested. I did an IgG test and like found out what I was, um, not allergic to, but I had allergens in my body that fought, you know, X, Y, and Z. Gotcha. I was just going to say if you did that. I I completely cut out a handful of things and then reintroduced them eight weeks later. 
And uh, the one thing I do now is um, similar to how I kind of do intermittent fasting, I'm kind of gluten free. So um, I avoid gluten for the most part. And when I don't, it tears me up a little bit, but it's manageable and uh, it's always worth it. Like it's worth the piece of pizza in my opinion. (laughs) It's not bad enough enough to turn me away entirely, but you know, for the 90% of the meals I eat, Interesting. That's really cool. And that was all trial and error, right? Exactly. Know that gluten was bothering me, and I took it out, and I was like, "Oh, my digestion is going way better. This Mm -hmm. is great." Um, I think that's great. I would never tell everyone that it's like, "Hey, you should be gluten free," right? Try it. Right. I think that's great. Your example is how like you weren't super stubborn, hard headed. Like I'm eating this specific protocol of diet, and even if it gives me trouble, I'm sticking to it because I heard from ten people it's the best diet. Your ability right. to kind of pivot as needed. That's a great kind of testimony for people out there to hear. That's really cool. Yeah, absolutely. And I I've I fall into the same trap that everyone else does of like extremes. Um, the the extremes of it and the uh uh kind of the um how do I put it? Uh I, I have an unhealthy relationship with food when I focus too much on it. Mm, yeah. Overthink it or stress about it. Right. I okay. start thinking like am I allowed to eat that? Can I is this going to, and when I relax about it, um, I don't know if it's just simply like my cortisol levels drop because I'm less stressed about it, but my physique gets significantly better when I stop caring as much about food and I tell some general rules, eat less gluten. Don't do this as much. Right. Notice, stop eating three things right before bed. Right. Like I'll, I'll like go through the cabinet, like, Oh, maybe just, you know, this yo. And then like one of these and just one of these. It's like, don't eat all three of them right before bed six nights a week and you'll be okay. (laughs) So like the hard and fast rules are what cause stress in my life. And that's stress as you guys know, Taylor, I know you are studying on that, like that ruins my sleep and then it ruins my hormones and it ruins this and that. And it's a waterfall. Stress is, um, so yeah. One of the, yeah, that's, sure. that's not just like a bro science thing. Like just that stress and overthinking and ruminating will literally have a chemical release in your brain. I mean, you have a pharmacy in, in your, between your ears and stress is causing so many chronic illnesses these days and just everything. I mean, it, it can really ruin someone's life. So if you kind of just, yeah, I think that's really cool. The fact that you kind of just relax, so to speak on your cookie, like if I eat this, I'm, going to have to punish myself and I'll, or I might die or I might gain, you know, just kind of relaxing your attitude towards it. That speaks volumes. That's really cool. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You, Nick, do you have any goals for this year? Like besides the Ironman, obviously, but do you have any other goals this year as far as your coaching or just little things? And while you uh, think about that answer, we're going to pause it. We'll... Yeah. So what do you think, Nick? Um, yeah, goals. Um, Obviously, the Ironman uh, pending that stays. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. True. It isn't until November 9th, and it's in Florida, and Florida's already open right now. Dude, yeah. they had the UFC fights yeah. last night. You're chilling. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Which that card, holy Insane. cow. Dude, I had, crazy. I had goosebumps the whole for five hours straight. Dude, it was <laughs> uh, the fact that Cowboy was on a prelim. And like, Pettis, a former champ. Like, yeah. That's it. Insane. I know. I was, uh, I was bummed for telling you, but that's all right. KG right. was really good. But anyway, uh, <laughs> Florida. Okay. Anyways, yeah. 
goals, goals, goals. Yes. Uh, the Ironman is kind of my goal right now. Uh, we put together a group of us, me, my buddy, and then two ladies um, to chase after some sanctionals, and that's all gone this year. Yeah. Uh, so that may come around again next uh, next season, which will start in the fall of this year. Um, it's not at the forefront of my head right now. I'm actually kind of relieved that the sanctional process kind of was eliminated because now I can let that go. It wasn't uh, – it was. I, I don't want to make it sound like it was a burden, but it definitely wasn't uh, the thing I was the most excited about, yeah. but it was adding some time and stress. Um, so it, it was nice that that kind of went away, um, at least temporarily, not forever. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. And so I can focus on like not worrying about um, some of my competitive CrossFit stuff. Being fit and being good at the sport of CrossFit are two little, you know, slightly different yeah, things. Sure. Um, being in a place where you're able to gain wads perfectly and stuff like that, that's a separate skill that you really have to train. And it's exhausting yeah. and really hard to train that year round. And sure. so, um, and more and more athletes at the top level are showing that. Patrick Vellner talks about, you know, how like he just works on fitness for the first six months of the year. And then he starts, you know, prepping for X, Y, or Z Fraser after the games takes months off of even exercising. He's like, I don't step foot into a gym for two months. Yeah. Um, start to see that like, Oh, not everybody is rich Brony, right? Rich is the man cut from a different cloth. Right. He's, an, he's not the regular, he's an exception. <laughs> he's not the rule. <laughs> Even if he's an exception, even amongst the elite, right? right. Like the, the elite are like, I couldn't train like rich year round. There's no way. And, um, so he's even an exception within the one percenters, mm -hmm. but anyways, um, so that's a nice relief. Uh, I'll be focusing on iron men prep. Um, especially once June comes around, I'll start diving into it. I'm excited for that. Um, and then, uh, as far as coaching goes, um, yeah, I, hope to continue uh coaching really well um yeah tons of goals cool, cool. Hey, did you watch the fittest documentary i'm sure you have yes yeah what did you think yeah. of that i thought that was really the, good from the previous games yes yeah i thought that was yeah, really that was, good a lot yeah, of unbiased opinions I, yeah i liked that this was the first year that it wasn't ran by uh HQ staff. Yeah. I mean, it, the same two dudes did it, but because they weren't on the HQ staff anymore, they kind of got to write their own narrative, and that was yeah. cool. Totally. Nick, the last question that we always ask, unless there's something else you want to ping in there real quick, sure. but uh, we've had, we asked all of our guests, no matter what they do for a living, what their background is, is um, kind of a blanket question. And for you, we'll, we can kind of cater it to, since you're a coach and you're very well versed in like the whole fitness kind of overarching realm. So if you had 30 days, you had to prescribe one thing to every person who goes to it that let's say you coach every CrossFitter right now on the planet, you could prescribe one thing for them to do for 30 days that they had to do every day for 30 days. Could be anything. Could be literally anything. Be we've had, or yeah, we've had someone, we had a physical therapist owner of his own clinic just say, teach people how to breathe properly. You know, so it's just really interesting. So one thing you had to prescribe to every single person who has an active lifestyle that they had to do for 30 days. What is your prescription to the world? No pressure. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, I'll give like a semi long answer to it. So Dude, go for it. At, when I started my marathon prep, 
um, a goal of mine was to never take headphones on any of my runs. And so I did not listen to music. I did not take my phone. It was just like me in the road. And I found um, the largest amount of therapy in running than anything else in my life. And it was because I had an opportunity and a time to um, distraction free to just kind of filter through my thoughts um, and kind of organize where I was at internally. Um, and it, it, it's also just a large amount of time to kind of spend some time in introspection. And I think that plays a big role in why, like, I was able to say, like, I did such prideful things over the last two years and I didn't used to, you know, take my classes because I thought I was, you know, better than a simple workout or whatever it was. I did all those things and I'm able to address them because I had so much time to be introspective. So I guess my thing would be if it's not running, maybe just some kind of 20 minute section of your day, whether it be a walk, meditation, whatever it is for you, something that is distraction free for 20 minutes because it can alter the way uh, your life, the way you live your life. Your day-to-day interactions with people will be different. The way you um, approach decisions you make will be different. So, yeah, it's 20 minutes of um, spending some time in introspection, whether you want to call it meditation, um, whether you – I'm someone of faith, so I would I would even put this separate from time of prayer, right? Time of prayer. I agree. That's a good clarification. Mm-hmm. With someone, right? Like if you believe that you're having that conversation <clears throat> with God or Jesus – this is separate from that. This is 20 minutes, you and your brain and, and kind of going through the file folders, picking out the things that don't need to be there anymore. Um, it could be journaling. Some people would prefer to be writing it down. For me, journaling um, is, I'm hit or miss on journaling. I'm not perfect with it, but I internally journal every single day. And so 20 minutes, whether it's a walk, a jog, um, sitting in your backyard without your phone, um, whatever it may be, that would be, uh, you could change your life with 20 minutes a day for sure. I second that. And then some, you know, it's very fascinating is our previous guest, who's the head coach at Mid-American Nazarene for the soccer team gave a similar type of answer. And I've heard many other people give answers like that. And I myself have benefit from that. And I think that speaks volumes to we as human beings, what happens when we put away all this noisy distraction technology you know what I mean? If we're just in the quiet, you know, peace and quiet of just the earth and just hearing the birds when you're running your own breath, you know, I think that's that's so amazing that you gave that answer because I think that's just another example of like that kind of stuff really works because you're not the only one. Yeah, man, it's, I'm not Dude. preaching anything that hasn't been said before. But it sounds cliche, but I mean, it's so true. Imagine if everyone did that for 30 days, like what you just prescribed, how much better this world would be, how much each individual person would be. Absolutely. And I wouldn't have been able to say that if I didn't do it myself. So I can tell saying it from firsthand experience and it'll change you. It seems very sincere. I can definitely tell, dude. That's really cool. And so you think that was kind of why you said you said, I think just to clarify, you said that process of your run therapy and your kind of introspection and kind of self-awareness with the running has helped you look back and assess kind of how you were in the past and see where you can improve. Is that kind of what you were saying? Yeah. yeah, yeah. To an extent that's part of it. Okay. Definitely allowed me to look back at that stuff. And it also allows me to remind myself like right now, 
I hope six months from now, I'm looking at right now the same way I'm looking at six months ago. Ooh, you know, dude. Like right now, I feel better than I did six months ago, and I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, you're you're not as prideful, and you're not as you know this or that, and you're you're way mm-hmm. more introspective. I hope in six months I can say the same thing, and I I look back at this conversation like, oh, you said some good stuff, but you did this and you did this, right. and uh, more running will lead to that. I think it's really crazy, cool how you're not talking about. Your, how your body looks or what you're eating. You're talking more about just what's inside of you and how you feel about yourself and your mind and kind of your attitude towards everything. That's the coolest part because you're very well versed in the whole and in, in fitness and kind of that world, but you've, you're kind of talking about a broader spectrum here. I think that's so fascinating for sure. Cause yeah. most people listening to this might think, Oh, Nick's going to say everyone do a burpee, you know, right. for five minutes every morning. You know what I mean? So that's right. that's right. remarkable. Nick did the burpee hour. He did the burpee hour the other day, right? I did. Oh, no. Get out of here, dude. Oh, man, <laughs> dude. I like burpees. I'm not doing a thousand. Yeah, yeah dude. I'm 6'5", 230 pounds. Don't sign me up for that. I'm <laughs> rope for you. No. <laughs> All right, Nick. Anything else? Dude, that is such a great answer. Uh this whole conversation has, has been super eye-opening for me. I've learned a lot about you and just kind of the world of fitness. And I've noted, like you said, you're taking a lot of your journaling internally throughout the day. I've taken some of the stuff you said about the training and put it in the vault, dude. So I hope people awesome. out there get the same value from that. Yeah, me too, man. Totally. All right, let's wrap this thing up. See you guys next right. week. Peace out, homies.